It's it's not going anywhere, guys and girls and whoever you may be self-identifying as this week. As you listen to me come in your ear holes for 30 minutes, it's the Dapper Dividends Podcast Variety Hour. Half hour of information that's going to be just jam-packed into your ear pods, buds, headphones, speaker, whatever you're absorbing this information. Hopefully not rectally. But anyways, we're going to get going here talking about some few things. Do you like the dulcet tones of my voice that you're going to get to enjoy? I am Russ, and I will be Russ for the remainder of this Right Yeah podcast episode. Thank you again for swinging on by and spending a little bit of time. Hopefully I can brighten up your day, Frank. And if your name is Frank, yes, I'm talking just to you. I hope you enjoyed that interview I did with Haley Eich. If you can't tell the difference between this Midwesterner's accent and somebody from London town, well, I can't help you out and you're just a lost little soul. You know what's crazy? See if you can guess what's crazy. Yep, you're right. It's a joke I was going to tell. Why do dividend investors need ladders? To reach those high-yield stocks. Thank you, ChatGPT. Feel free to use that one on Twitter. Why invest? Well, speaking of Twitter, I was real proud of myself. I've been listening to, for the second time, I've read Naval Ravikant's uh, Almanac. The Almanac, the Naval Manac of Naval Ravikant. A little stuffed up here. Spring's coming, right? We got all that plant semen and floating around the air. It does messes with my nose. I didn't ask for it there. As the flowers are budding, but bear with me, we can get through it. Why invest? I put out a really, really cool tweet, and this was directly influenced from Naval Ravikant, and I really wish somebody would have taught me this. By the way, we're going to talk about PepsiCo. I, I fired off an email to them, told them I was worried about their free cash flow situation. We're going to talk a little bit of dividend investing news, whatever it is that Simply Safe put up in the past week, and we will also be talking about a stock that I'm buying, and it has a bit of a high yield. But high yields are a-okay in my book. So those are some of the things you have to look forward to, and maybe why I might be selling good old Procter & Gamble. (gasps) Yep, I know, right? Procter & Gamble. Sacrilege. Blasphemy. You can't sell Procter & Gamble. Well, it might be happening. We'll tell you all about it. See you on. It's next week, everybody. I felt like I was ending there. Well, I'll tell you about it next week. Thanks for swinging on by, everybody. But no, seriously, I wish somebody would have taught me why you need to invest because it's one of a few different facets of why it's such a larger thing that we need to be doing. And it's because the output is not directly related to the input. It's so crazy simplistic. As I hear another motorbike screaming by the expressway, which I live not too far off of, if I were in charge of things, I'm sorry, if you're going 50 miles over the speed limit, you lose your license for a year if it wasn't an emergency. That's what I would do if I was king and I was ultimate ruler. But where were we? Ah, yes. Output not being directly related (laughs) related to the input. Put it this way. If you buy one share of PepsiCo, it can pay you indefinitely. You have money, you buy a share, it can go up in share price, and you can receive dividends from that for 
Well, in their case, you know, we'll get to it. They've been raising dividends for 51 years. Check that out. But if I do an hour of wage work, I get an hour of pay. That's it. I'm not going to get anything else. I can't really scale that into anything more. So when the output is greater or can be greater than the input, you, my friend, are on the path to financial freedom. So think of all the different ways that are especially permissionless. Like you don't need, I don't need permission to do this podcast right now. I'm doing it. I just said, hey, hey man, I'm doing this podcast, right? I'll be talking to tomorrow, Ryan Harris and Lanny from the Dividend Diplomats over on Ryan's channel. Why? Well, I'm so glad you asked because I have a volleyball tournament in Lafayette, Indiana, and I will be gone all weekend. So it's going to be interesting trying to cram this, editing my video of the most important things I've learned after five years of dividend investing, trying to make it really simple and easy to watch. But the newsletter, we got all kinds of stuff going on. So that's an interesting thing. Think of those things that you can do where the output is not directly in tied to the input and the output can be much greater and even indefinitely longer than that input is. Yeah, I might be selling Procter & Gamble on April 20th. That, my friends, is my birthday. I will be 45 years young. If you don't know what I looked like and this is the first time you're hearing this, you can go to the good old YouTube channel linked in the description below and say hi to me because it's harder to say hi on this. I guess I should read my Apple podcast reviews if there are any. Anywho, I might be selling Procter & Get. You know what? Really quick before that, I was just looking at McDonald's as it closed at almost $290 today. As of this recording, that thing is going to go over 300 eventually. And it's nuts, the upward tra trajectory of McDonald's. In uh, we, Let's see, where should we go back? How about we go back to when I was going in the Navy in September of 1996. This thing was $23.94 a share. Now, I'm sure there's been some splits and whatnot, but... You know, it went up to around 40 bucks in 99, 45 bucks right when I was getting out. And then during the recession, or no, that's not the recession. January of 2003, McDonald's was 18, no, I take that back, 1545, $15 a share in 2003. And here we are in 2023, right? So that's 30, 20 years later. <laughs> Told you math wasn't my strong suit. 20 years later, McDonald's is almost at 300 bucks. That is just awesome. And man, I wish I could go back in time and have just been buying some McDonald's, but we weren't. Shows you the power of solid companies. And like I always say, solid quality companies will always, always, always be in business. Don't you forget that. Tell your mama, tell your grandma. If she's still alive, some of you are older like me. Well, you can tell them. You can say it. We can go to the graveyard and tell our loved ones, hey, you can talk to them. You know, you think things over. Maybe they hear you. Maybe they don't. They're not going anywhere. They're pushing up daisies. Do you know how long you're going to be dead? I don't know how long you're going to be dead, but I'll guarantee you it's going to be a lot longer than you're alive. So what are you going to put on the rest of the pages of your life and if you want a little chip, chip, cheery thought, here's one. 
in probably three to four generations, nobody will remember you or I and likely will be all gone. How do I know this? Well, the Sumerians did some pretty cool things, right? I'd like you to tell me some Sumerians right now. Who are some notable Sumerian entertainers? I don't know. Maybe someday people will look back and be like, huh, Americans, interesting. <laughs> they don't care. It's, anyways, the sun's going to turn into a red giant and uh, destroy everything one day. So we'll be, that'll be long gone. You'll be dead. Happy little thought there. It is a happy thought. I don't care. Screw it. You know why it's happy? It's happy because you're running out of time. I'm running out of time. That's why I'm doing this. Being a little goofy about it, sharing my thoughts. You're listening. You're going to come back. Warren Buffett, I, I wanted to share this article with you. If you were worried about the banks, I've been buying TD a little bit, which is a really bad segue because the <laughs> Buffett said nobody's going to lose money on a deposit in a U.S. bank. So that was my segue, talking about a Canadian bank, Toronto Dominion. Yeah, he said, I'll sum it up. He said, you you don't need to worry about your money in a U.S. bank just because some smaller banks had some problems and other people are worried that more banks might have problems too. But Warren thinks that your money is just super safe, like that, you know, thunder vest you wear when it's thundering and you can't get to sleep. Uh, that's because, so the government protects it up to a certain amount with, right, the FDIC insurance. Uh, what is that, 250K for FDIC? But Warren pointed out that the money for the FDIC comes from the banks themselves. They have to pay into that insurance and it doesn't come from the taxpayers unless the government's just going on a drunken bender and spending it all. And yeah, it's just cool. I mean, Warren, you know, Berkshire's helped banks before when they were in trouble. And while he thinks banks, they're going to make mistakes, but you shouldn't be too worried about your money in the bank because uh, it's in the bank, dude. Put it in the bank. So I did hear back from PepsiCo. I sent their investor relations an email and pretty much said, you know, your free cash flow payout ratio is 110% right now. That's not good because it means all the available cash plus 10% they're paying out in the form of just the dividend. And I said, what's going on here? Break it down for me a little bit. You know, assure me, reassure me, give me that PepsiCo hug. I want to know that everything's going to be okay. And this is what they said. I will read you. It's short. So sit back and listen to me read this in the voice and stylings of Sean Connery. Not going to do that to you. Don't worry. They said, hi, Russ. Hi. Thank you for contacting PepsiCo. PepsiCo's capital allocation strategy is focused on four key pillars. One, invest appropriately in our business. Two, pay and grow our annual dividend. Three, Optimize our portfolio construction by selectively considering acquisitions, partnerships, and divestitures that meet very strict strategic and financial criteria and four, repurchase shares while maintaining ample liquidity and access to top-tier commercial paper. That means loans, borrowing money. Since 2017, our net capital spending as a percentage of net revenue has increased as we've invested in growth initiatives in our business. We expect our capital spending to remain elevated as we continue to invest in growth, 
Operating Necessity, Productivity, and Sustainability Initiatives. That's that ESG stuff. In addition, we recently announced during quarter 4 22 earnings a 10% increase in our annual dividend, which represents PepsiCo's 51st consecutive annual dividend per share increase. We remain confident in our strategic framework and believe that our capital allocation strategy will better position PepsiCo to deliver sustainable results over the long term, which include 4 to 6% organic revenue growth, high single-digit core constant currency earnings per share growth. Please refer to our CAGNY presentation found here, which linked below for you if you want to check it out. It's very nice. Which discusses our strat, st- our strategy in more detail. Best PepsiCo investor relations. So they basically said in so many words that they're spending more money to grow the business and this is going to pay off in the future. Their net capital spending has increased pretty pretty dramatically, right, since 2017. So I'm going to go through a little bit of this CAGNY, which stands for the Consumer Analyst Group of New York. It's, again, it's just a very nice presentation, about 28 pages. It's all slides, a lot of bright colors, you know, things like me. People like, people like me, (laughs) logos and colors and big bright words and letters, which... By the way, Warren Buffett had said that he distrusts a lot of that when things are really big and flashy like these marketing materials, that it's probably trying to overshadow some of the more negative stuff. So again, we always need to be looking at businesses and thinking about where the business is and where they're going. Oh my God. So, So don't think of it just too many of us can say, Uh, Hey, look, they like, put it this way, Procter & Gamble, I didn't tell you about them. I was going to wrap up and say they have a forward price to earnings ratio of 25.1, meaning you're paying $25.10 for every $1 of Procter & Gamble's earnings. And we may look at the five-year average and say that's 23.8, so they're above that. But looking into the past is going to tell us nothing about the future at all. I mean, it can give clues, but we just, we have to think about businesses, where they are and where they're going and why we think they're going to do good or bad, poor or worse. I don't know how to say that. So, so PepsiCo's net revenue, I I love it. One of the first things, net revenue was more than $86 billion in 2022. Well, revenue is a tricky number. You can't just look at that because if uh, I think it's Justin Klein from the uh, InvestDog podcast (laughs) says, if I was selling dollar bills for 90 cents, I'd have a line around the block. I would be bringing in a lot of revenue, but you'd be losing money. And that's what some businesses do. Like they're literally selling dollar bills for 90 cents. And hopefully that that changes. But a couple cool facts about PepsiCo that I really like is that, again, they sell more in food than they do in beverages. 58% was from convenient foods, 42% was from beverages, and 39% of their revenue mix was from international sales, 61% from America. 
from America. And the biggest was uh, the biggest division was PBNA, which is uh, PepsiCo Beverages North America, I believe. I think I pulled that out of my hiney because I see FLNA on there, which I know is Frito Lay North America. So I think it's uh, Pepsi Beverage, PepsiCo Beverages. I should know that. I forgot. Anyway, so the point I wanted to make is that their spending has gone up, and they say it's to increase their critical investments to fortify their brands and businesses. Now, I don't want this to be just all about PepsiCo, but I'm using this as an example to show you that there there should be a reason why free cash flow is dropping. Because if a company is spending more to grow their business, then that free cash flow is going to decline. But the flip side should be they're growing the business. So in the future, there will be more money coming in to trickle down to the bottom line of that free cash. One thing they've jumped up big on from 2018 to 2022 was their advertising and marketing spend. That's up 24%. And their net capital spending as a whole is up 57% from 2018. So they're just having to spend more And some of the reasons they say is uh, investments in their go-to market systems. So the go-to market is literally how they're getting the product to market, spending on their digital investments and their manufacturing capacity. So things to do to make the product cheaper and better. And they just, they want to grow. That's why I love investing is because it's this constant battle of evolution in industries and watching companies adapt to try and survive and looking and saying, what are they going to do with that? And there's a lot on this CAGNY 2023 that, uh, like, I <laughs> I know, oh, I, could, I could tell, it. you know, so uh, knuckle-dragging guy like me. You can get through it pretty easily. And look at that. They have... Strong brands. This is one of the reasons why I bought a share a week for a hundred weeks. Gatorade as so global brand. Check this out. Global brand net revenue growth from 2020 to 2022. This is how much money has come in from these brands. Gatorade up 13%. Doritos 11%. Cheetos 11%. Late. What was that j- joke? Doritos, Cheetos, Fritos, PepsiCo's got all the Eatos. Lay's 9%, Mountain Dew 8%, and PepsiCo just, or Pepsi, excuse me, 7%. So they are spending to grow the business, and I think it's just a really, really interesting exercise in thinking about businesses and remembering that we have to give the numbers context, and we have to know why the numbers are what they are. And... I mean, you don't have to do that. Like, looking at their digital capabilities they're spending on, what is that? Well, the digital and capability is AI and machine learning, sustainable technology, analytics and insights, the Internet of Things, automation, omni-channel e-commerce, which omni-channel means are you buying it from the grocery store, on your phone, on your tablet, from the vending machine? How are how are they buying... Uh, Omnichannel, that's what that's what that means. You should just know what it means, okay? But really cool report. I would also tell you about, can you tell, this guy really repaired, 
he repaired and prepared well. Their dividend is the last thing I wanted to say because they do point it out that the dividend, 51 consecutive years of dividend hikes, I believe that is when they merged with Frito-Lay. That's how many years 51 years ago is. The compound annual growth rate of the dividend is approximately 7.7% since 2010 when the dividend was $1.89 per share per year and now it's $4.95 and they are also buying back shares throughout all those years although it has trickled off a little bit. Uh, They bought back $5 billion worth of shares in 2010 and yeah 2021 was only a fraction of that. Uh, 1.5 billion in 2022, but they're they're kind of cooling off on that. So that is something that we just need to think about as you look at your businesses that you want to invest in. And again, the link for this is definitely in the description below. I had to stop there because I'm like, oh man, I haven't put it there yet. I I gotta remember. So like, I better not screw this up. And then what is the last thing I've been buying? Well, again. I'm just, I'm pleased as punch that you asked. Did he say asked? No, he said asked. Axed. Axed throwing. Have you been axed throwing? Let us know in the comments below. No, he said on YouTube. So I've been buying Aries Capital, ticker ARCC. I've been buying five to 10 shares of them a week, every week it seems, in the retirement account. I sold more Duke Energy for a small gain because I wanted to buy more realty income and more Aries Capital. These are higher yielding BDCs that, yeah, they're they're up there. Uh, Almost 11% yield for Aries Capital. So on bdcinvestor.com, they have the most recent net asset value per share and then the current price to the net asset value. So the net asset value is $18.40 per share. Right now, it's 1.01x, so it's 0.01% above, almost even. So that's why I was really digging buying under $18.40. Now, that's important because, yes, it fluctuates. Over the trailing 12 months, right, they had had net asset values of share of $19.03 on 331.22, on 63022 is 1881, 1856 on 930, 1840 on 1231. So their net asset value has been declining a little bit and this is one thing we have to pay attention to. Now BDCs can be a little bit riskier, but the 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 most simple way to explain net asset value is if you wanted to buy say a jar of candy worth 10 bucks and one day you see it on sale for $9, you know, it's a pretty pretty easy decision to make. Now, yeah, maybe they're losing their value. Maybe some of the candy's rotten. Maybe some of it's got fentanyl in it and you don't want to eat it. But the point is, is that you know at that time the assets are worth $10 and you're buying it for $9, so you're getting a good deal. And that's, that's the way I've been looking at that with uh, Aries Capital. So it can be a buying opportunity, one interesting thing to look at with that. Uh, I'll put a link to this too in the description, but I got, I'm swimming in links. I can remember all these. And just wrapping up with Aries Capital, they have almost an 11% yield. They're very diversified. I love, I don't have the exact number, but they're very diversified and they have a, I want to say that no, no single loan 
Because what do they do? I should have told you. Duh. They make loans to middle market companies. So smaller businesses that are private and can't get some of the same like really good public uh, loans that public companies can. So they do their due diligence with their underwriting team and they make out what should be good loans. But they have a really diverse, I, I don't believe that any one loan makes up more than 4%, I think. I wanted to say three, I'm not entirely certain, but they have also a strong focus on senior loans. That means if the business that they make the investment in goes bankrupt, they're going to be first in line to get paid. And I think, I think one of the knocks about these BDCs like Aries Capital is that they've been over earning because they have some floating rate loans, which means when interest rates go up, they get paid more money. But on the flip side, rates start cutting, then they will make less money. They'll bring in less revenue. And they've talked about this. They have a good spillover account, which spillover is... It's like a rainy day fund. They're just not paying everything out as a dividend and they're saving a portion of it in case they need to pull from that fund to cover dividend payments or whatever. You know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? You don't know what I mean. I'm telling you. Boy, isn't that an easy trap to fall into? You know what I mean? And anyway, the point of this all was is that I think that because banks are really, really tightening up their lending that there's going to be more companies looking for lenders for capital. And I think it's just going to be an opportunity that they can bring in extra income and balance things out once interest rates start to fall. So I wouldn't go hog wild. It's not exactly a super safe play, but I think out of the BDCs, which are built to pay higher yields, and I did a video on BDCs, why I bought Realty and, uh, I'm sorry, not a, that's not a BDC. Why I bought Aries Capital and Main Street Capital. And that's that. So I'm adding that. I added more realty income. And if you ever want to see what I'm buying, well, there's a simple way to do that. I have a newsletter. You can just sign up for that in the description below. Click the link. You'll get a, I think that's the link I got with the free ebook. Or there's probably one without it. I wrote an ebook. Brief thoughts on life, love, and investing if you want to get that. Yeah, you can subscribe to yours truly on the YouTube channel. The YouTubers? The YouTube channel. Hey, I hope this was helpful. I'm going to have more interviews for you. Let's see. We I don't know. Shoot me and hit me up on Twitter, at RustyRamp78. Let, let me know who you would like to hear on the podcast. And I will see if I can make that happen. But, oh, news. Don't go. We didn't do the quick news. All right, we're going to end it up, wrap it up with news. Uh, Tangier Outlets, ticker SKT, raised their dividend 11%, which is their fourth increase since they restarted that dividend in 2021. 5% yield, 50 safety score. These are simply safe dividend scores. T row price downgraded from 94, very safe, to 80, safe because their exposure to growth investments they think puts pressure on the dividend coverage, still a 4.34% yield. Ticker OPI, office properties. Uh, I don't see a name. I didn't even look. It's just OPI. I think that's their name. They reduced their dividend payment 55%, ticker OPI that is, from 55 cents to 25 cents a share. But that yield's still 12.32%, but they may cut again. 
Office space looks really risky to me. And Procter & Gamble raised their dividend 3%, which is their 67th straight year of dividend payout increases. And they have been paying an annual dividend for 132 consecutive years. But again, man, that yield is 2.48. My yield on cost is right about 3%. Their uh, free cash flow has been declining. Their payout ratio is going up. And you know what this is with, with Procter & Gamble? Uh, also, Kohl's got a dividend downgrade from 50 to 40, from borderline to unsafe. They have a yield of 8.73%, says Kohl's is deteriorating financial health pressures, the dividend profile. So I think Procter & Gamble is a little bit overvalued, and I wouldn't want to buy it here. But honestly, like this is a company that when you see them $110 a share, somewhere around there, that's when you back the truck up and load up. So I don't think there's really much harm. I'm going to wait until the 20th to make sure I get the next dividend. And then we'll see where the market's at, where things are at there. But I likely will be exiting the 10 shares that I hold in the self-directed IR. No, it's in the taxable account because I'm up like 23% on those. You can check those accounts, uh, dapperdividends.com. Click on my portfolio. I need to revamp the website. I know but you can use it as a portal to get to the dividendtracker.com where I do have my portfolios. You can see what's going on there. So that's my thoughts on some dividend stocks this week. I hope you enjoyed hanging out with me for just a little bit. Some of you people don't like when I sing, but hey, you do you, you do me, you do me, I do me, and you do you. And oh boy, <laughs> hey, have you ever guys listened to the Circle Jerks? That was a pretty cool punk band back in the day that I never got to see. But I did see Mr. Hoppin' Greg Hetson himself. Greg Hetson, if you're out there, I'd love to interview you. If anybody knows Greg Hetson, the, the originator of the Hetson Hop, no longer plays in bad religion. I think he had a falling out with the fellas over there. But he, I believe, is playing back with the Circle Jerks. Or once again, I think so. Anyway, we love you, Greg Hudson. I love you. I have a guitar pick I caught from you at a show in the 90s, the one where it says, I need this back. And I hope you enjoyed hanging out with me, hanging with Mr. Hooper for just a little bit. Come on, <laughs> y'all come on back next week now, you hear? So please do come back next week. I will talk to you then. So long, everybody.